The title of my message tonight is called Missing Instructions. It's actually called Missing Instructions Part 1 because I had five applications and then I realized that I'm going to get to my time limit by the time I finish my first application. So this is like a little preaching series that I'm never going to finish. Um, You're just going to get part one tonight unless whoever's preaching next week, I can give you some notes. But um, Missing Instructions Part Number 1. And I'm going to get Jack Copland to come up here because I have a little problem with my LG washing machine. Come on up, mate. Uh, you know, when I got married... Oh, let's welcome Jack. Hello. When I got married, I, um, I didn't want to play the game that I'd been playing my whole single man's life, which is buy the cheapest thing that I can find... And then, you know, when it breaks, I'll just buy another one. Because I knew that's not going to fly with uh, El Wytho. Hello, Hannah. If you're on the stream, everyone say hello, Hannah. Um, Thank you. Yes. Uh, So I thought to myself, you know what I need to do is uh, we were generously gifted by Hannah's grandparents a washing machine. And I thought, I need to take care of this. Because my pop taught me something really important about cars. And I'm applying this across the board. Is that... Even a cheap appliance or a cheap car, if it's well-maintained, it'll last way longer than a Lamborghini that you never service. So I thought, I need to maintain this thing. So Jack's going to read a portion of the instruction manual of my LG washing machine. I'm going to put it on the screen as well, but Jack, why don't you read this portion right here? Run the tub, clean cycle once a month or more often if needed, and remove, uh, to remove detergent, scrud, build-up scrud, and other residue First of all, is that the first time you've ever heard the word scrud? Yeah. yeah, okay. Interesting, but we're learning new words. Come to church, learn new words, great stuff. So, run the tub clean cycle. Jack, does that sound to you like you're the person in there scrubbing it? No. What, is it, what does that sound like to you? What, what impression do you get by tub clean cycle? I should just press a button and it does it for me. Okay, let's have a look at the front of my washing machine. Now, how do you think that you would activate a tub clean cycle as instructed in the LG washing machine uh, instruction manual? Any, any kind of ideas there? I have no idea. You know what? I actually have no idea either. <laughs> and uh, let's thank Jack. Thanks for coming up and taking a look at that, mate. You know, I downloaded the digital version of this and did the old control F and I searched for tub clean cycle to see if there was anywhere else that mentioned anything about a tub clean cycle. Now, I couldn't find anything about a tub clean cycle and I asked people online, you know, how do you clean your washing machine? How do you do the tub clean cycle? And someone's like, you get in there and you get vinegar and I'm like, no, it's a cycle. It's... It says that it's a cycle. Now, I want to look after my LG washing machine. I am pumped for the cycle. I am keen for the cycle. In my year 12 yearbook, I wrote, I want to run an LG washing machine. Cycle, cleaning tub, I can't even remember the name. On my resume under goals and aspirations, it says, run an LG tub clean cycle. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I am just, I am all for the tub clean cycle. But... 
but come on, man, come on, LG, how do I run the tub clean cycle? I've been, I've been looking, I, I, I really thought that I had the instruction manual, the next page shows all of the program tables, it shows all the washing programs, I see a big list there, but I don't see a tub clean cycle. Apparently, this tub clean cycle is sitting in Area 51, and all the aliens, they know how to do the LG washing machine cleaning cycle, but they're not going to tell me, and now I have to wait till I'm 74 when they declassify the information, and then finally on my gravestone, it's going to write, Michael Slater, he ran the tub cleaning cycle, and I can't wait for that day, but man, oh man, that frustrates the heck out of me. And don't you hate it when you want to do something, you want to do things well, but for some, but there's just, you, you don't know what to do. There's no kind of instructions about it. Like when I, when I got out of school, I was like, yeah, oh, okay, so, you know, I'm like that, that gif of, um, um, I can't even remember his name, so don't worry. Oh, the guy of Grease Lightning, what's his name? John someone, Travolta? John Travolta, and he's like got, got his coat, and he's just kind of standing in, around. He's like looking. He's like, uh, "What? What do I do now?" You know, when when we leave school, for those of us that have, it's kind of like, uh, I thought that there would be a few more guidelines around this. I thought that there'll be a little bit more information about what to do. You know, every, so many of us we face um, complex friendship situations. We have family drama that we face. Uh, we we have. Situations in our workplace with our bosses. Um, we have big dramas um, in the p- political landscape. You know, I, I don't know if, about you, but I've sometimes wondered what I can and can't say. There's no like instruction manual for that. And there's so many things that I really wish that there was a segment in the instruction manual, but apparently it's all classified. And you know, the Bible, it has 10 commandments, right? That are pretty clear do not murder, tick. That's an easy one. I've never had to wonder about that because I got clear instructions about it. But sometimes I just wish the Bible had some clear-cut things to say uh, for all situations in life. Like, at what point in a friendship are we good enough that I can steal the ox cord and plug in my own music without even asking? Do you know, Tim, do you know? Do you know the answer to this? I want to know. Sam, do you know? I want James, Phil, any thoughts? Maybe, if anyone here knows, maybe you also know how to run my tub clean cycle. I'm not sure. But that's something that I want to know. But there's no Ten Commandments for that. And, and on a more serious note, sometimes I found myself asking the question, why didn't I get more clear instructions about that? When I'm talking to a friend who's been struggling with suicide ideation, when I, I'm trying to weigh up, you know, what is a healthy environment for me to be in? Is, is, is going to this gig a healthy environment to be in? Is going clubbing a healthy environment to be in? Can I go to this thing or that thing? Like, what's the, like, there's no, Jesus never said anything about thou shalt or thou shalt not go downtown, you know? Um, or, like, when, we, when Hannah and I got married, it was like, well, um, the Bible doesn't have anything clear like anything like thou shalt or thou shalt not about using contraceptives. It's like there's all these things. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but sometimes I wish that there was more clear-cut instructions. I'm sure we've all had moments like that because then we would actually know what to do. And then we would feel like we actually, yeah, had something to go off. We could be confident 
in the decisions that we were making. Quite often I find, you know, we do see clear instructions in the Bible, such as um, Noah, he receives very clear instructions about how to build the ark. But then most of the time, we find that the Bible characters aren't actually given a clear set of instructions. We're all looking for a map of step-by-step of which way to go, but quite often, all that we get given is a compass. And I know that it's not a mistake on God's part. I know that there's a reason. I just want to know the reason, and I just want to dig into that. And so that's what kind of motivated me to start this message, this series. Um, Because, yeah, quite often we're looking for that exhaustive map, but all we get is a compass. For example, Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, um, Moses is in this situation where he's just led the people of Israel um, in, out of their slavery and out of their captivity. And so they're pumped, they're excited. And, but the problem is that they're in a desert and they have no water at all. And so Moses, he's the leader of thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And they're like, this is your problem because you brought us here and we need water. And Moses cries out to God, says, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Who knew? And it was there at Marah that the Lord had set before him the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. You know what I see when I look at this? Moses has a situation where there's nothing written in stone. There's no commandment. There's no, you know, this is what you should do if the people of Israel are hungry. And so he does, I think, what's probably a really... Um, a, a wise thing to do, and that's to ask God, God, would you help me? And it's like, so Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. So Moses is going, I need help to, to, to really, uh, I just want these people to have a nice drink of water. And God is like, tree! <laughs> and I can imagine Moses being like, um, I don't, I just don't know if that's gonna, I don't know if that's, we need a drink of water, tree, wood, log. And I mean, if you look at the verse, it says that Moses was the one to throw it in the water. It doesn't say, and God told him to throw it into the water. Somehow Moses knew what to do. And I'm kind of making a bit of a joke there, but there's actually a whole, um, there's a whole section of biblical study into um, trees. And so it actually makes quite a lot of sense. The word for tree is the word eights. And basically, anytime that you see this word tree or the, or, um, the word eights, it's, it's basically a moment of testing. And so Adam and Eve, they had to decide between an eights and an eights. Noah, he had to build an ark made, of, made out of eights gopher. And then here we have Moses facing another challenge right here. We have um, Abraham who has to place his son onto an altar of Etz. And then we have this thread of salvation that comes through trees, which is that Moses actually found salvation for his son through a ram that was stuck in an Etz. And then obviously Jesus Christ died on a Etz for our sins. And So please don't think that I'm making fun of God there. There's actually a deeper theme going. But what I'm trying to highlight here is that Moses didn't have any established wisdom. Moses didn't have any ABC of what to do when the people are hungry. But he knew that he had an intuition that I've got to trust God for this. And then whatever God shows me, whatever direction he points me in, I'm going to chase that down and I'm going to follow that. And then we we see Abraham and Abraham's the same. It says in, um, in Genesis chapter 12, it says that the Lord said to Abram, 
leave your country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Doesn't say where, just says leave. And then, so it says in verse four, Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and, the Lord, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left. So Abram gets given this general idea of, I need to go this way but he doesn't have a destination. He doesn't have the ABCs. He wasn't given the latitude and longitude, but yet he sets out on a journey and he's actually quite okay with that. And I think too often in life, we face a situation, we face a problem and we don't know what we're going to do about it, but we refuse to move until we know, well, where's this going to end up? What's this path, this path that I'm going to take? Where is that going to lead me? I need to know, I need to see that this is going to work out. But God is actually calling us to follow his compass. In the book of um, Psalms, it says that God's word, your word, is like a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's not a beacon at the destination. It's showing me my next steps. I'm following the compass that God has given me. I'm going to step out. I'm going to choose to go, you know what? I don't understand where I'm going, but I actually, I'm just going to trust God in the direction that he's giving me. So when we face problems like this, where we don't have established wisdom, we've got to really tune, tune ourselves into, well, where do I feel like God is leading me? How do we navigate these situations that we don't have standard operating procedures for? These situations where if we went looking for instructions, we wouldn't find any. And this is where I get to my main application for tonight, part one of seven, is... Um, is the character compass. I really believe that one of the strongest compasses that we can have, internal compasses, that points us in the right direction is our character. Quite often, um, these people in the Bible, they, they, were, they, they didn't have the collection of literature that we now know as the Bible. They didn't even have that. I mean, at least we have some kind of um, robust collection of, of texts that we believe are critical to life and faith, but they didn't even have that. They had just built their character over a long period of time as they grew up, and they were using that as their compass, and there's a number of other compasses as well. I guess you could say moral compass, but really I believe that character is actually so, so much more than that, because every day your character is subconsciously guiding you through the decisions that you have to make. Your your character is actually making decisions for you that you don't even realize, um, I want to give out a shout out to Sarah Trodson. I feel like she has a, um, a really strong character. And I'm just going to highlight one area of that. You have, Sarah, you do have a very caring character. And I'm very appreciative of that. When I, every time I come off holidays, Sarah says to me, how was your holidays? Like, did you get, did you, did you get refreshed? You know, do you feel like you really got some time away? She actually shows me that she genuinely cares about, about me by asking, you know, what I got up to and, and not just like, like, hey, how you doing? But like, she actually had thought through, you know what? I was really hoping that he would be able to get a rest. And so I'm going to ch- I'm going to ask that question. Now, when I walk in the office door, Sarah doesn't sit there and this is, her brain does not go, there's Slater. Hmm. Should I talk to him? Hmm. I wonder if I should say something to him. If I say something to him, should it be like about this, this or this? No, no, no. None of that. Her caring nature, the character that she has built over her whole life has in one moment comes to a point where it makes a decision for her and guides her in a direction where she becomes caring in the moment. And that's just pointing out one, um, one person and one character attribute to show that 
our character really does inform so many decisions that we don't even realize are decisions. And, um, and so if, I, I want us to just take a moment and just think about, you know, what's a, um, a, a character attribute that we like about the person next to us? Why don't you look at the person next to you and just think, you know, what's something about, what, what, what do I think about you as a good character attribute? And if you're online, I want you to follow in the serotrodes and footsteps. Tag the most caring person that you know. I hope, um, I hope no one got dealt a, a bad card of, uh, deck of cards there. But, uh, but character. We all have a character, whether positive or negative. Our character is driving us in a direction that sometimes we're aware of and sometimes we're not aware of. I think about the story of David and Goliath. You know, Goliath, he was an intimidating man. He was taller than everybody else um, who was at that battle site. And he was threatening a whole army. One guy threatening a whole army and everyone's freaked out. But David, for some reason, he wasn't freaked out. He got down to the battle and he was like, yo, who is this dude? Who is this guy that thinks that he can slag out on God and get away with it? Because I'm not going to stand for it. And you know, he ends up, saying to the king, like, I want to fight this dude. Like, let's square up. I, I, want, to see, I want to see this guy to go down. And that kind of attitude, that kind of decision-making towards that set of circumstances does not come because he sat in the moment and logicked it out. Too often, when we reach a situation where we don't know what to do for and we're trying to logic it out, sometimes it's a little bit too late. We actually need to build our character in advance. We need to build um, the spirit that we need in advance. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34, David says to Saul, I, your servant, have been keeping my father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took a sheep from the flock, I would chase it and I would attack it and I would save the sheep from its mouth. And when it attacked me, I caught it by, caught it by its fur and hit it and killed it. One punch can kill no dimension of knives, guns, anything. I just hit it and I killed it. So what I see here is long before David stepped onto the battlefield, he was building a character, he was building an aspect of his character that said, I'm a defender of the vulnerable. I'm going to be a defender of those who can't defend themselves. And when he arrived on the battlefield and, and Goliath was bad-mouthing God, another character element came out, which is, who is this guy to call my God names, when I know that he is the Lord on high, I know he's the most powerful being on earth. He had a, some kind of character element within him that rose up in that moment. And you know, character is, it's the sum total of all the issues that you've, you've just settled in your heart. That's kind of my definition of character. It's the sum total of all of the, the, the issues um, that you have settled well before the challenge arises. David had settled in his heart, I'm a defender of the vulnerable. David, David had settled in his heart that I'm not going to let anyone talk down about my God. No matter what the situation, that's the kind of person that I'm going to be. And so often I think we forget to focus on the kind of character that we're building day to day. And so my encouragement to us today is that we need to be working on building godly character into our life so that when we face the battlefield that is before us, we're not running around left, right and center going, who's going to kill this giant? But actually we have something within us that says, I know exactly what I need to do right now. So how do we build our character? How do we build this kind of autopilot um, into 
the, into our personhood, into who we are. Um, I've got two really quick applications. And the first, I wish I could have preached this in January, but I'm just going for it now. The first one is stop, th- stop trying to make your to-do list. Throw out your to-do list. And maybe we need to start writing a to-be list. So many of us seem to be doing things and chasing after things that look impressive to convince ourselves that we have a valid contribution to the world. I want to do this so I can post it on Instagram so people can see that I'm this kind of guy. I want to get this job and I want to have it for at least three months so that I can say that I'm experienced here. I want to do this and this and this and this. You know what? Quite often I find that yes, bosses love to see that you've got experience, but more often than not, It'll be a person's character that determines whether or not they hang around in a job. There's a thing called a probation period. And just because you roll in with a great resume doesn't mean you're going to survive that probation period. Um, it, it's it's going to come down to how well you play as a team, how well you respect your boss, how well you respect the nature of the work that you're doing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and some of us are so busy trying to tick all these boxes to make ourselves look great. And we've neglected to create... a a character, a strong character on the inside. Not enough of us. And I'm speaking to myself here, trash talking my my own self. Not enough of us are making an effort to be a certain type of person, To to be a loving person, to be a patient person, to be a kind person. We wake up and and we want to achieve this dollar amount or we want to go and get, achieve this grade but what about, what about being a defender? What about being a peacemaker? Who cares about your grades if you're destructive to every single person around you? What about being an honest person, a loyal person, a devoted person? What about a person who faces every challenge they have absolutely dauntless, courageous and brave? It starts with settling an issue in your heart. And actually, it's not just an issue, but it's an identity to say, no matter what the situation that occurs in my future, no matter what the outcomes are going to be, I'm committing to be a loving person. I'm committing to be a joyful person. If you want to know how to be joyful uh, and more about joy, Pastor Levi's message this morning. Get onto that, sucker. But overall, I want to encourage us that the best place that we can look for, the character that we, kind of character that we need to build into our life, it really is found in Jesus Christ. And really is found in the character of God. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, The Son, Jesus Christ, He radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. So let's chase after Jesus. That's the best place to find noble character is in Jesus Christ. And when we, um, when we find the kind of person that we want to be, when we create that to-be list, it's going to be something that we have to work on. Because character is trained like an algorithm. The kind of character that you're building is something that you need to build upon daily, essentially to train the algorithm of your brain. It's like when I was um, looking to buy a new phone, I I started searching on YouTube phone reviews for this iPhone, phone reviews for OnePlus, phone reviews for Samsung, Google, all of those. And then I bought the phone, but then the next whole week I'm still getting in my suggested feed you, sh- you should see this review of this phone or this phone. And it actually took me like about a week to train the algorithm back to show me some different videos. Got Snoop Dogg back in my feed finally. <laughs> and look, if you don't currently embody the character that you desire to be, that's totally okay. It just means you've got to get into a bit of training of the algorithm. And 
just like David did. This doesn't happen in the heat of battle. This happens in your private world. David built up a spirit of defending the vulnerable well before the big battle. He built it up in private before it was on display publicly. So when you're by yourself, this is where crunch time happens. At home, by yourself, in the car, um, as you're going to sleep, whatever you're thinking, whatever you, as you're processing your thoughts, that's the time to take stock and, um, and just really analyze your thinking patterns and cultivate your character in those moments. Build your character in those moments. If you're struggling to be thankful, to show appreciation to others, it's not going to happen in the moment where they're in front of you. You're going to uh, uh, stutter. But at home, you can take some time out and you can privately ponder, what can I be thankful for about that person? What do I appreciate about that person? And then the next time that you see them, you've, it, you've already done it and it's going to flow out of your mouth. Same with being an encouraging person. If you aspire to be an encouraging person, to build that into your character, then take time in private. Most of us see the same set of people very regularly in our life. Take time in private to consider what qualities of a person that you admire. And it's going to come out when you speak to them next, the next time that you see them, because you've been thinking about it. It's going to come out. What you, you can cultivate the kind of character that you want to be. You can cultivate it in private. Struggling to be a peaceful person. Maybe take time to calm that inner storm at home. Resolve the issues so that when the situation's brought up in public again, it's not bubbling, it's not burning, it's not going to come out with you going crazy. So I want to wrap this up with some questions that we can all ask ourselves. These are self-analytical questions. And we do these questions at the end of a message because this is, this is where the rubber hits the road. So ask yourself very genuinely, and if you can't answer this right now, then write it down and answer it later in your own time. But how often do you find yourself facing a problem that you don't know the answer for? I feel like that could be an indicator of where you need to invest some strength into your character. If someone else, if a third party was to look at the quality of your decisions in the last three months, how would they rate your character? Would you get a glowing five-star review? Or would you get a one-star or a half-star? How would they rate your character? The character that you have right now, is it leading you towards an unhealthy future? Quite often we think that the situations in life have put me here in this hard situation, in, in this hard experience. And that does happen quite often. But sometimes we fail to realize that actually my character has brought me here. I didn't say no to that when I should have said no. I didn't say that yes to that when I should have said um, the other one. I wasn't being loving in that situation. I wasn't being friendly and kind in that situation. I wasn't showing loyalty there. What items do you need to add to your to-be list? If there's one thing that I hope we could all walk away with, that's a note on our phone that is a new, a new note that you've never had before. That's a to-be list. Even honestly, even if it's just one thing and you're just going to work on that thing, I really believe that as you build, your, build that into your life, that strength of character is going to guide you through some, some storms. What are you going to do regularly to get closer to Jesus, to align your character with His? 
It's something that we need to build into our lives. And finally, are you just leaning on talent and skill to take you to a place that your character can't sustain you? Too often we see this with celebrities. We're wowed by the talent. We're wowed by what they do. And they're in this place of public prominence. And then they have this failure. And everyone's like, whatever calls names. And then they get cancelled because their talent took them to a place that their character couldn't sustain them. And is your talent, are the things that you're doing, are the places that you're going, taking you to a place where you don't have the strength of character to go? I strongly believe that if you can give yourself to becoming a person of character, then you will always have a contribution to make in this world. Even the most talented person in the world they're going to need you in their life through what you can contribute to them through your character. I firmly believe that building up your character is a great way to prepare yourself for those bigger ethical and moral dilemmas that don't seem to have an easy answer. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that character is the only answer. That's why this is a seven-part series. Um, there's much more to it, but can we start with our character tonight? Wherever life takes us, building a strong character as our base so that the strength and quality of our character becomes an invaluable asset in our decision-making in the future. Let's stand together. And uh, I'm just going to pray for us really quickly. And if you're vibing with the words that I'm praying, why don't you pray them in your heart too? God, I know that I have many struggles ahead. I know that I have many situations that I need to face where there's no instruction manual, where there's no standard operating procedure. And I, I need your help, God. I need your character in my life. I need, I, I need your character to be built into who I am so that when I face these situations, I can respond in a wise and a healthy way, in a productive way that leads to eternal life and does not lead to the destruction of my own life or to the destruction of others. Help me to build that character. Help me to have the courage every day to choose to, to, to be a new person, to be transformed and to not just fall into the same ruts that I've always fallen into. God, help me to be a better person. Help me to build that strength of character. Amen. And um, hey, I really believe that building a strong, godly character, it does start with taking your cues from Big G. It does start with taking your cues from Jesus Christ, who demonstrated such an incredible strength of character while he was um, here on, on earth. And, um, and I just want to invite every single person to go on a journey of aligning yourself with the character of God and to go on a journey of aligning yourself with the character of Jesus. And, um, and whatever that looks like for you, for some people it's just choosing to open their heart to the fact that God might God might actually want to help you out and, and move with you through everyday life. For some of us, that's that we've trusted God before, but we know we need to, um, we know, we know we need to reconnect and, and get our character back in line with His. Um, but what, whatever that is for you, I just want to pray very quickly. God, I thank you for every single person here that is choosing tonight to take steps closer to you. Pray that you'd be with them, be revealing yourself to them and helping us along every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks, everyone. I'm going to hand over to Sarah.